You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. This episode of Locked On Razorbacks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. We're going to be joined by uh, Kurt Wilkerson, of uh, which is, of course, always great to hear from him talking Razorback basketball and signing day and all that fun stuff, too. He's going to join us uh, here in just a little bit to talk about signing day as well as the, some of the updates from Razorback basketball. But I wanted to use the opening of this podcast to discuss uh, with Arkansas and LSU coming up this weekend, uh, something we discussed a little bit yesterday on my radio show. Uh, as well as uh, something that gets talked about, I think, every single year that Arkansas is going to be leading up and playing LSU. It's about the rivalry itself of Arkansas and LSU. And some of you, at least via social media, reached out to me and got in on this conversation and talking about, you know, this rivalry. What is a rivalry? Is it a rivalry? Should it be considered a rivalry? Whatever. And here's the thing. First off, there's no right answer to this because it's always going to be discussed and there's always going to be people on different ends of the spectrum here. And there's going to be people that hate LSU more than any other team, but there's also just as many people that hate Ole Miss as much or A&M as much or, you know, whoever. So I I don't think that there's like a right or wrong answer when it comes to who's Arkansas's rival or anything. Cause listen, I've always taken the stance that Arkansas has no rival. And that's okay. Now, they have teams that they that fans will probably hate more than others. I think that LSU is one of those teams. I think that Ole Miss is one of those teams. Uh, I think that Arkansas has, and at least people in the SEC or whatnot, has tried to force the issue of being having Arkansas play somebody and kind of manufacture a rivalry. It just hasn't taken off. It just hasn't gotten that way. But... You know, Razorback fans want to be kind of a part of what rivalry week is, especially at the end of the season. I've always felt like Arkansas got left out because, you know, everybody else is having these great rivalry games that gets promoted, that gets, you know, pushed up, it gets you know, talked about, and then has a lot of meaning to it. And for a time period, Arkansas and LSU did have that. But here in the, in the current age, Arkansas does not have that with Missouri. What it what it, what I've always compared it to is that if you're like in elementary school, you remember when you would be with a bunch, like a bunch of your fellow classmates and whatnot, and uh, you'd have to partner up. And, you know, the teachers would be like, okay, so partner up because we're going to do this exercise. Everybody partner up. And you or someone you knew, there was always a kid that didn't get a partner or at least didn't get there quick enough to get a partner. And then... The teacher's like, oh, who doesn't have a partner? And then the kid, you're, that kid raises his hand, I don't have a partner. Oh, okay, well, uh, yeah, this kid that had, doesn't have a partner, he's there too, so y'all just partner up. That's what it reminds me of, where there was a re like nobody wanted to be partners with you or that kid, or you didn't want to be partners with anybody else, but by default, because you had to be partners with somebody, you get stuck with the one that nobody wanted either. So it's kind of like just this outcast-type feeling of, well, okay, it's you in Missouri, so there you go. 
it's never going to happen. It's never going to change. It's never going to be different. It's just the way it's going to be. But with Arkansas and LSU, you at least have something. You at least have some history. You at least have some epic games at epic times that had epic consequences from it all. Like, you have that. Uh, so, I will at least I at least adhere to the idea that Arkansas and LSU can be at least something to look at, at least some sort of rivalry, some sort of thought uh, towards that, too. Like, I, I'm okay with that. But in the grand scheme of things, folks, this is just another SEC West game, at least for sure for LSU. This is just another game for them to, you know, talk about what they're what they're doing as a program and trying to build it up in the especially in the final stretch here of Ed Orgeron and all this stuff going on there too. Like that's that's nonsensical. So it's going to have a weird vibe to it. But the battle for the Golden Boot is a cool thing for Arkansas. It's a cool thing to have that trophy. It means something. Uh, but outside the state of Arkansas, it doesn't mean so much. Like they like TV can try to promote it, but it's just not the case. It's not an organic rivalry that's been built up where both programs hate each other equally. Not that way. And that's okay. You don't have to have a rivalry, folks. In fact, it's kind of nice not having a rivalry in a way because you can just hate everybody equally. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way too, don't get so hung up on one game, get hung up on everybody that you end up playing. So at least that's how I look at it too. But it was an Arkansas LSU. Hopefully it's going to be a great game. Hopefully Arkansas gets that monkey off their back and they defeat LSU this weekend. But if they defeat LSU, it's not going to be because of some big rivalry. It's not going to be because Arkansas, you know, that it's not going to be because of that. It's going to be because they're a better football team. And that's what I look forward to seeing. And that's what I expect to see uh, once it all comes down to it on Saturday. So, but we're going to talk with Kurt Wilkerson here in just a second. But want to remind everybody that this episode of Locked On Razorbacks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, and it's also the place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. You know, like when you see those golden arches and you're driving down the road, you're like, yeah, I could, uh, I could probably, uh, I could probably mess around and really get after a big thing of fries or the chicken McNuggets. Get that, or the quarter pounder, or if you're feeling really crazy, go for the Big Mac as well. No matter what it is, McDonald's is where it's at, folks. I mean, no matter the time of day, no matter what's the occasion, McDonald's with their food, with all the items, with all the stuff to choose from. That's what it's all about. And they always have these games that you play too that uh, go along with it. And you take the kids there. I mean, the kids love McDonald's, right? With the Happy Meals and everything. There's nothing better than going to McDonald's at any point in time, especially late night like me. That's when I end up doing it. So just want to remind everybody that McDonald's is where you need to go to refuel and reconnect. Somebody say a locked on Razorbacks watch party. I could get down with that. I love McDonald's because you know what? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Right, right now, let's go to the phone lines. We are joined by Kurt Wilkerson of Hogsports.com. Talk a little bit about Razorback basketball signing day, as well as all the things going on with Razorback basketball. As he does a great job covering hog basketball for Hogsports.com. Kurt, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, we had. Sam Pittman at 1 o'clock, Eric Musselman at 2 o'clock, and now I feel like I'm talking to the third most important person in Arkansas, and I'm on with you, so it's, uh, it's been a pretty eventful afternoon so far. Third most important. Third, third most. 
Man, I'm, man, I'm getting a bronze medal there, I guess. I'm going for gold, man. I'm trying to be the most important person in this state, but or at least getting the <laughs> same it. yeah, at least getting the same amount of money cuz uh two are not like the other. I can tell you that. But uh but you know, looking at from the, you know, with Razorback basketball at least, I know it's been a busy time for you especially, but we'll just start uh with the game last night. Uh I know you were there and, and you've been covering Razorback basketball and uh seeing this Arkansas get the victory was nice, but it just like what it looked like to me, Kurt, was just a bunch of guys that are talented, a bunch of guys that uh, obviously have a lot of uh, positive qualities to their game, but also a bunch of guys that are still trying to get used to playing with each other and still trying to figure out each other's roles. Is that kind of the same vibe you got? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head there. It's uh, it's very true. I mean, you look up and down the roster. It's one of those deals where, on paper, you know, you expect Arkansas to just hammer a, a team like Mercer, and that's no knock on them. They're a very good mid-major program, and you know, quite honestly, that's why Musselman scheduled them to be challenged. But uh, yeah, you know, this is an Arkansas team that's still trying to find its way. You'd like to be a little bit further along at this point, but you know, things happen over the course of the preseason. A lot of injuries. You know, last night was the first night that they've had their full complement of players. Uh, really since they started official practice. So, uh, you know, it's a group that's still trying to learn a lot about each other, but the talent is certainly there. And, you know, when they need to crank it up a notch, I, I thought they really did that in the second half, outscored Mercer by 21, forced a ton of turnovers. And really right now, uh, as they try to, you know, kind of develop some roles and get that chemistry going on the offensive end, they're fueling it with their defense and getting out in transition. So, Hey, they did what they had to do and, and wound up with a 13-point win. So, we'll, obviously, Note was the guy that offensively stole the show. Is that what we're just going to have to live and die by with J.D. Note? Which, you know, we know he's good because he had seven steals, too. So, it's not like he's just shooting. But is this the type of player that we're going to see this year where there's going to be some games where he is shooting 30 shots and making less than half of them but still getting a lot of points? Uh, is it going to be a bad game for him, too? I'm just wondering, what can we expect out of J.D. Note this year? Well, you know, I think we've learned with Note just to expect the unexpected. I mean, I think, or at least I hope, that last night, you know, as good as he was, is probably the exception and not the rule. Uh, but, you know, listen, a lot of people have asked me about, you know, 26 shots and some of the shot selection. I get it. We know that, you know, J.D. Note for – lack of a better term, he's a gunner, and, and he's going to let that thing fly. He's never met a shot that he doesn't like. Uh, and last night, you know, look, you had two starters who went scoreless in the ball game. You had another who only had six points. So, you know, when your main guys are, are struggling and, and not scoring, you got to get those points from somewhere. And like Musselman said after the game, you know, uh, a shot on goal is better than a live ball turnover, and he limited those turnovers. They needed points from him last night. They got points from him. And like you said, he did have seven steals. So, you know, listen, Brett, if you're, you know, <laughs> creating a turnover for every bad shot you take, then I think you get a free pass. But, you know, I think he's proven that he can be a guy who can be one of the, the most prolific scorers in the SEC. Is he going to average 26 shots a game? I don't think so. Are there going to be nights where they might need to lean on him to do that? Yeah, maybe so, especially early on until people kind of figure out their role on this team. We'll continue our discussion with Kurt Wilkerson here in just a second, but back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. 
Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for them available for the 2021 season. With Bet Online, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. You know, something that I know that Eric Musselman said last night in his press conference, and I think a lot of people are starting to see some of the comparisons is Adi's Tony, who goes 18 and 11 uh, with a double double. And I thought it was interesting that Musselman said that they didn't run a single play for him. So it wasn't like he was a part of the offensive game plan of getting him involved. He went out and kind of earned his shots. Maybe the Justin Smith type of guy that they need on this team. Uh, can you see him fitting into that role? And do you feel like uh, he's a guy that can be counted on, maybe similar to what Justin Smith was last year, that can go out and be a double-double machine for Arkansas? I mean, it sure looks like it. You know, his his activity level on the glass last night, it was just different than anybody else's. He was an animal in there. He was really getting after it. Uh, and it, it did. It, it was shades of just kind of a, a peak Justin Smith-type performance with you know, the way he was crashing the offensive glass, he had 11 rebounds, five of them were offensive, and, you know, getting the putbacks, and it's something that Justin Smith made a living off. And like you said, they weren't running plays for him. He was 7-9 from the field. I think he's doing a really nice job of picking and choosing his time. You see him with a lot of those backdoor cuts uh, or just positioning himself on the drive to get those dump-offs and, and finishing around the rim. And it's really nice to see. So, yeah, I, I think he has that to his game. I also think there are elements to his game that we're not seeing just yet. It's in terms of how gifted he is as a transition player, uh, he's a plus, you know, catch and shoot guy from the corner with the three ball, with the ability to stretch the defense. Uh, and he also profiles as a really good on ball defender. And I think he's still getting used to some of the terminology and you know the rules that uh, that Musselman uses that are a little bit different than what he saw at Pitt. But uh, really versatile guy. I thought he looked really good in that small ball power four role last night. You know, he's been starting at the three, but they might be honest when they've been playing in there at the four. I, I thought it was a really impressive performance. Jalen Williams might be the team's best distributor this year, or at least at this point in time. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's positive <laughs> to have somebody like that down low, especially of that size, to be able to be a great passer. But is that something that is a positive for Arkansas in the way of that he's just that good? Or is that also more of a negative towards the rest of the team where they don't really have anybody else besides Jalen that can distribute? Well, I mean, it might be somewhere the answer there, you know, in between. I think uh, they've got to get something figured out with the point guard play. And, you know, last night it seemed like in the second half, Mush just kind of threw his hands up and said, you know what, J.D., take the ball and just do your thing. And a lot of that was him involved in that pick and roll with Jalen Williams, which is, I mean, really, they're kind of a lethal combination. Those guys work really well together, and Chris Likes got involved in that too some, but yeah, I mean, Williams is just a really high-IQ guy. You can dump it in there to him on the block, and you know, he'll look over the shoulder, hit cutters, he can throw those skip passes. Or, you know, he's kind of a pick-and-pop guy, too, so when he catches it on the perimeter, the ball doesn't stick. And, and that's a problem with Arkansas when they get in some of these droughts right now is, you know, a lot of dribbling, not a lot of movement off the ball. But Jalen Williams keeps that thing moving, keeps it flowing. Uh, and he's got an understanding of the system to the point where he can kind of direct traffic uh, like a like a point forward, really, which is you know something Arkansas is going to need until these guards can kind of figure out 
the balance between, you know, what's a good shot and a bad shot, and, and when do I pass up the shot for a better one by making a pass? And that's something they're struggling a little bit right now with, uh, especially in the half court. We're speaking with Curtis Wilkerson of Hogsports.com here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Kurt, another player that I, I really like seeing is Chris Likes. Uh, you can tell he's going to break a lot of ankles this year. Uh, he's got a lot of quickness to him, and of course, uh, he was coming off the bench and, and did a nice job there. Uh, he and along along of other of these players, like besides, I think Jalen Williams was the only one that must said, "Hey, he's starting next game." But the rest of them, we don't really know about. Uh, like, do you, how do you feel like Chris Likes? fits into what they're going to do because I was hoping to see more distribution distribution I was hoping to see more passing I was hoping to see that but you can tell definitely tell he's got a motor on him that may be problematic for other teams when they face him this year yeah he really does it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of lineup they throw out Saturday against Gardner Webb uh, you know mentioned that we just had a, a press conference with Muss and you know he he alluded to last night that Jalen Williams was going to start and then today he kind of doubled down on that and said I, you know, I think there will probably be more than one change in that lineup. And so if you look up and down the roster, you kind of wonder uh, if Chris likes is a guy that fits into that. You know, personally, I like him in that six man role, kind of providing a jolt off the bench, He's kind of, you know, replacing the production that you had from JD Note there. And I didn't think there were too many guys that could do that. So it's kind of a luxury when you can look down on the bench and, and you know, you need a bucket and bring in somebody with that second unit that can provide the spark he can, because man, he is so fast, and that, that mm-hmm. you're right about breaking ankles. I mean, that crossover dribble uh, is just tough to defend, and, and he creates good separation. He's a good shooter, uh, and he's all you know he is. He's a scoring-minded guy. Uh, you know, he, he's not a starter right now. He's definitely been a closer, uh, you know, last night and then in these exhibition games. So, uh, really, you know, if, if Arkansas feels like they need to get off to a better start in games, then maybe you throw him in there and see what he can do because, you know, he's got a track record. In the ACC at Miami is as a, a full time starter and a guy that averages you know, above fifteen points per game. So whatever you do with him, whether he starts or comes off the bench, I, I think he's going to be a huge piece for this team. Now, Kurt, obviously today too was signing day for Razorback basketball uh, for the twenty twenty two class. Uh, it, it seems like Jordan Walsh was one of those guys. You know, Barry Dunning, Joseph Pinion. Uh, but the thing with Nick Smith, I think, is also what's kind of puzzling to people because he's not signing, at least from my knowledge, today or during the early signing period, just to kind of let everybody know, why is that and what's the status on him? Well, it's, it's really hard to say, and I, I have seen some reports out there that, that he's going to wait. You know, it, really the, the last thing that I heard was that it just wasn't quite decided yet. They were a little bit unsure whether or not they were going to do it, but you know, at the end of the day, that, that one-week early period started today. And so, if, you know, if you haven't made plans by now, then I feel like the chances are getting a little bit more slim here by the minute. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit alarming uh, to fans, and I understand that because that just, you know, kind of maybe the door's shut, but it's not locked. You know, it kind of leaves that window open, and, and I, don't, I don't think in any way that he's not you know, fully committed to, to Arkansas. I don't think he would have gone through this entire process if that wasn't the case. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it just kind of opens the door for, you know, other people to be in his ear. And that's that's not what Arkansas fans want. You want them to get signed, sealed, and delivered. There's a lot of things that go into that. You know, a lot of people have those signing ceremonies where they want to get family and friends involved. There's logistics involved. You got to remember with a guy like Nick Smith, up until, what, last week, he was dealing with that eligibility madness over at North Little Rock. So, might not have been something that he really thought about too much. So, you know, I, I understand, uh, you know, a little bit of the, the concern or the pause with that. 
uh, I, I think he's all hog, and you know, hopefully they can get it done over the course of this week. That way, we don't have to talk about it and, and fret over it too much. But if not, you know, you got to keep in mind. Think about that 2020 class: guys like Moses Moody, KK Robinson, and Jalen Williams all signed in the late period. So take a deep breath. I think it'll be just fine. Yeah, because that's, I think, what Razorback fans are always just nervous about because we know that Nick Smith is the highest-rated Arkansas recruit, at least according to hogsports.com and 247 Sports, since, I guess, Al Jefferson, who didn't even sign because he went to the NBA. So I I think I can kind of understand why Razorback fans are kind of holding their breath because they know uh, that this is a big deal. But uh, I I don't know. It's just it's tough, I'm sure, for you guys, too, over at Hogsports to kind of go into the minds of an 18-year-old and to know what uh, what's going on and what the process is like. But basically what you're saying, though, is that there's no reason to panic or anything. You still are leaning towards uh, Nick Smith be- being a Razorback next year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Feeling good about it. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's all that matters, and that's what you got to feel good about. But, and, and other than that, the other four players have already officially signed today, correct? Uh, so you had Barry Dunning, Jordan Walsh, and Joseph Pinion all signed today. Uh, Darian Ford is going to. His his signing is scheduled uh, for Sunday around 5 o'clock there in Magnolia. So uh, he's already put that information out there. So we'll have him taken care of on Sunday. And it's just kind of a, you know, mix and miss watch until that period. I think the, the period ends a week from today. So, you know, we'll see if we get it done. But, yep, had three today. And then Darian Ford all set for Sunday. And I know that we're also looking ahead towards next year when this year literally had just started last night. But, uh, like they got five players that are phenomenal, all top 100 players coming in the 2022 class. We know that uh, there'll probably be some players that stay on from this year's team to next year. You know, we, we don't know what Devo's going to do. We don't know what Jalen Williams is going to do. We don't know what Note is going to do uh, or anything because you never know. But, uh, you know, how are they going to, are they going to hit the transfer portal really hard this offseason? Or is that something they're focused on at all? Because you still got a lot of players currently on the roster that could be back next year. And then you add five of these true freshmen onto the team. And, and, you know, that's not even including somebody like Chance Moore, you know, who's on this year's team, too, and on KK. And, like, how do you feel like they're going to handle the transfer portal this offseason, too? Well, I would I would be stunned if an Eric Musselman coach team doesn't have a couple of transfer additions. You know, he, he, it's just his thing. You know, he's a, he is the transfer portal wizard. It is going to be interesting to see, you know, with, with all these guys coming in, that accounts for a lot of scholarships, like you said. Uh, it's not as clear and cut and dry with you know the extra COVID year of eligibility in terms of who's going to come back and who's not. It'll really be you know towards the end of the season before they know how many scholarships they're working with. But if you really want somebody, there are ways to make those numbers work. And and I expect them to be aggressive. I I don't think we'll see what do we have this off season five additions out of the portal. There's just not going to be room for that. But uh, you know as we know, there's going to be probably upwards of 2,000 guys hit that transfer portal. Uh, you don't want to see it, but the odds are that, you know, probably someone on this current roster is going to hit the portal as well. So, I, you know, I, I could see maybe anywhere between two to three additions, and they're going to be able to be pretty specific and selective about who they go out there and get, especially if they have another season that, you know, rivals anything that they did last year. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I think they could probably use a little bit more size to get a, a big man out of the portal. So, uh, you know, it's going to be really fascinating to see how the numbers play out because five is the largest high school class that Muslim's ever had. He's never gone above four. So it's kind of a uncharted waters for him there. All right, last one for what you get out of here, Kurt. Gardner-Webb this weekend. I mean, they haven't played a game yet. Uh, do we know anything about him? Is it something that Arkansas – 
it's going to have their work cut out for them. Because, I mean, Mercer, I feel like, is going to be a good team, and they are a good team. Like, it could be somebody that uh, does really well in their conference and maybe makes a tournament run. Like, what about Gardner-Webb? What do we know about them? Well, it, it's uh, it's kind of a veteran group. So, that, I think they return all of their starters. They've got nine guys back. So, uh, you know, personnel-wise, let's talk about them a little bit today. They actually play UNLV tonight. So, uh, he informed us that after the Snoop Dogg concert, he is going to come back home and dive into some film breakdowns. He'll know a little bit more, but uh, gave us a little bit of a heads up on those guys that, you know, three guys who are really good shooters on the perimeter, and they got a couple of really good shot blockers inside. It's a group, you know, how they go about their scheduling. They think has, you know, the ability or potential to finish right there at the top of their conference. Uh, I, I don't know that they're quite on the level of Mercer, but. It's one of those teams that can sneak up on you early, especially if you, you know, allow 13 three-pointers like they did the other night. So that's going to be a heavy emphasis for them. And, uh, you know, I'll also be interested to see what the crowd looks like, you know, especially with that uh, Arkansas football game following right afterwards. Yeah, I just think it's funny that at the beginning of a basketball season, we have a, a an actual phrase saying that, uh, you know, Coach Muss is going to be really hitting the study and hard after the Snoop Dogg concert last tonight. Like, <laughs> like not many people can probably say that. But, hey, you mentioned that because they, they got UNLV, they got Arkansas, and they got Duke in their first three games. So prayers up to Gardner-Webb. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, but, hey, listen, whatever it takes. And uh, as long as they get the victory, that's all that matters in the end. But, Kurt, we appreciate you joining us, man. Have a great weekend, and I know we'll be catching up with you throughout basketball season. It sounds great. Anytime. I appreciate it. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Neighbors For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.